Welcome everyone to the Score Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Boone, the lead fantasy analyst at the Score. We're rolling along here. We're continuing our draft coverage and helping us out today. We're going to get him in here right off the bat. Danny Kelly, somebody that I've wanted to have on for a long time. And this is the perfect time of year for it because he writes an excellent draft guide over at The Ringer. I highly recommend checking it out. You can go to TheRinger.com. You can also find him on Twitter at Danny B. Kelly. You can find all the links to his content there. Danny, welcome to the show, man. I'm glad we were finally able to make this happen. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited. All right. Well, before we get into the prospect talk, because that, that's a big part of this today, but yeah. it's been a couple of days now. We haven't had a show since the Sam Darnold trade went down, so we got to talk about that off yeah. the top. What are your thoughts on the Panthers? Who, I mean, they were pretty overt about wanting a quarterback upgrade right. this offseason. Right. Now they end up with Darnold in exchange for a sixth rounder this year, a second and a fourth next year. So a fairly modest return. If Darnold ends up being their starter, that's not that much to give up Absolutely. if he's better than he was with the Jets, right? And we don't know whether that's going to happen or not. <clears throat> And now it seems like they're going to move on from Teddy Bridgewater. They're going to try to find mm-hmm. a trade. I think they told Teddy that his agent can go try to facilitate that and look for a deal. But there's a lot to consider here, right? With all those weapons, Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore, who is somebody we've talked about a lot on the podcast. I absolutely love DJ Moore. Yep. You have yep. Robbie Anderson, who's got the history with Darnell. And now what do they what do they do with the eighth overall pick? You know, are they still going to take a quarterback? Are they going to go and get some offensive line help there? What's your reaction to this one now that we've had at least a couple of days to consider all the ramifications? Yeah, I mean, there's obviously a lot of, uh, you know, ripple effect that this trade could create. Obviously, I think it takes to me, it takes them out of the QB running in the first round. I think there's a small chance still that they could be looking for a quarterback at that number eight spot. Um, But based on kind of like reading the tea leaves, they basically were not able to trade up. They don't like, I think, the guys that pass the top three that they assume are going to be the top three guys. And so this is like their plan B or plan C or D or whatever it is down the line. Um, I like the trade a lot for Sam Darnold. Like, I think it gives him a second lease on life, gets him out of New York, which I think is obviously very important just because, you know, his his tenure there just has been not good at all. He has not looked good. He has not been consistent. Um, turns the ball over too much. Just it got to the point where it doesn't even look like he know he could, you know, knows what he's seeing and things like that. Now, yeah, there are <clears throat> a lot of extenuating circumstances with that. Number one his his support system was never really good there. Um, his, his head coach slash offensive coordinator, Adam Gase, I think has been, you know, it's been established that he gets the least out of his players versus getting the most out <laughs> of his players. And so, there's a long track record of that. So the idea that he's potentially going to be like, Ryan Tannehill 2.0 is the only thing that I'm kind of like holding on to here, but I do think it's really good for him and for Darnold in his career. And I'm, I'm, I would not say optimistic that he's going to turn his career around, but I do think it's a good situation, you know, going to the Panthers with Joe Brady, like you said, a lot of good skill position players. I'm sure they're going to get him schemed up, get him more layups, like, you know, maybe, maybe just kind of like rebuild his psyche built, rebuild his confidence, all that stuff. So, um, it, and, and again, the other thing is it doesn't really like tie them to him long term. They did. I think they're going to pick up his, his, you know, fifth year option for next season for 2022. Um, but for now, it's basically see how he can do, um, see if he can rehabilitate his his career and start to actually like use some of the skills and, and, and his skill set that made him such a high pick. Now, he's still only like 23 years old, which is crazy to think about. I think he um, turns 24 coming up here. But yeah, that's yeah. still so young. Yeah. 
Yeah, and so, I mean, he's, like, essentially, you know, the same age or a little bit older than guys coming into the league right now in this draft. Like, he's, I think he's, like, 15 months older than Mac Jones. Yeah. So, having that experience in the NFL, obviously, you know, there could be some negative psychological effects, like, lost confidence based on how he's played over the last few years. But, um, you know, he's still very young, still, I think, developing as a as a player. And so, yeah, overall, great for him. I don't know if I necessarily love the move for the Panthers because I think I do like a few of the other quarterbacks in this class a little bit more, but I think it's clear. It looks clear anyway that they don't. So what they do now, I, I would guess that they probably trade back, in fact, um, try and recoup some of the, the the picks that they gave up in this cl- in this trade. And, you know, like uh, Pat, uh, Scott Fitterer there, the GM in, in Carolina has a history. You know, he comes from the Seahawks who have – consistently consistently trade back every year you know trying to try and pick like 10 12 times in every draft i could see them trying to do that and maybe pick up a couple extra 2022 drafts picks because they they gave up these ones for sam darnold so that would be my prediction right now and we'll see how it all kind of goes yeah and it wasn't that long ago where we thought the panthers might be one of the teams moving up to try to get a quarterback now that's probably not gonna be the case i agree with you there so yeah let's take a look i'm curious where you think these top quarterbacks might go because you have Trevor Lawrence to the Jags, that's a lock. You have Zach Wilson, a heavy favorite to go to the Jets now. Yep, and yep. almost everybody who's connected around the league, including Adam Schefter, is suggesting that the 49ers moved up to take Matt Jones. Yep. I would be shocked by that. I think a lot of us would be. But at some point, it seems like there's enough smoke that it that's probably going to be a reality. Mm-hmm. So that leaves Justin Fields, who I think we both really like. He's number two on my board. Uh, Trey Lance, yep, yep. very intriguing prospect, right? Maybe not as good of a passer as Fields, but both these guys offer huge fantasy upside, what they can do with their legs. A lot of fantasy managers are going to be curious about where they're going to land. So yeah. how do you feel about how that top three is shaping up? Maybe you can give your thoughts on Mac Jones and where do you see Fields <laughs> and Lance going after all these recent trades? Yeah, so I agree with you. I think it's going to be Lawrence, Wilson, Mac Jones. And as much as I would say that that's a mistake for the 49ers, I do think it's a great spot for him to land, for Mac Jones to land. I think he'll I think he'll be in a position to have a successful career. I, I'm not going to say I don't. So, like, I, people have asked me, is this, like, a total mistake? Is this a terrible, terrible decision by the 49ers? I don't think necessarily it's a terrible decision because I do think Mac Jones <clears throat> has the skill set to, like, succeed in that offense and, and and you know, distribute the football. A lot of the stuff that he was doing uh, at Alabama, you know, quick processor, accurate gets rid of the ball i've heard so many people talk about how kyle shanahan wants a quarterback who's going to be like his avatar on the field his like a joystick he's essentially playing quarterback and he just wants a guy who's going to deliver the football where he wants it to go um so i in in that sense i think like the 49ers aren't going to completely regret going with mac jones if that ends up being the case i'm still like i don't know like my head tells me it's Mac Jones, and I'm, but I'm still like, man, this is just an elaborate ruse. This is I, a smokescreen. That's but, where, I think that's where we're all at, right? Everyone <laughs> yeah. thinks that, but and then he's going to have his name called that there. We're like, yeah. oh, wow, really? It, it was really real. was him. Yeah, <laughs> I think that is, that's how it's, it's feeling like it's going to go. Um, but at the end of the day, I do think that they're, it, this is the floor play, not the ceiling play, if that makes sense. I think you know Justin Fields, to me, has such, such a much higher a ceiling in that scheme. I think he'd be a good fit in that scheme. And the thing that I keep coming back to is like, yeah, Mac Jones, he's, he's accurate. He, he will stay on schedule, do all that stuff that you want a quarterback to do. But like you're playing against, you know, Aaron Donald twice a year. Um, what happens when the pocket breaks down in half a second and then you have to improvise and do other stuff. And so 
that's kind of like where I am with that pick. I think it'll be if it doesn't end up being Mac Jones, it's going to be one of those things where we look back and it's like, what if? What what would have happened if they had chosen Justin Fields or Trey Lance here? Um, as for Lance and Fields, I think right now, if I had to like put money on it, it would be Fields and Lance are going to end up on two of three teams: Washington, Denver, or New England. <laughs> <laughs> which is crazy because New England has never really traded up, or at least not in the Belichick era. It, I think I was reading something. I don't know if they've done it. Like they've done a few smaller trade ups recently. I think um, I could be wrong on that. But well, I, they're they doing have, a lot of things differently this year, right? Some exactly some ways exactly. that they haven't been doing things in the past. So maybe this will be the thing with the draft. It really feels like they were basically last year. They were like losing sucks. Let's not do that again. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? We spent the last yeah. two decades. Like winning the division, you know, I don't even, I can't even remember how many times, like ridiculous amount of times and, you know, losing sucks and they don't want to do that again. So they went out and spent all this money and like more money than, than any other team by far. In fact, I think it was more guaranteed money than any team ever. Maybe I, I could, I could be wrong on that, but it was a ridiculous amount of free agent money that they spent. And then, um, yeah, I, I, I do see them potentially trying to trade up. I think the two spots they could trade up to are the Lions or the Panthers, and I already spoke about why I think the Panthers will trade back. But I think the Lions too are in a position where, you know, they're trying to start, <clears throat> they're trying to put together a new foundation for this roster, basically. And you know, they could either they could they certainly could sit there and they may be one of these teams like the dark horse teams that will potentially take a quarterback, even though they have Goff as the bridge guy. But I see them more likely to trade back, pick up more picks, keep building that foundation, solidify it before they bring in you know, a rookie quarterback and try and like make that work. So um, I think the Patriots are certainly one of the teams that has the potential to trade up with Detroit or with Carolina. And then the Broncos are just another team who could make like a small jump and, and, and go up and get their guy. So again, Fields, Lance to either the, the Broncos, Washington or New England. And then the dark horse, I guess, teams would be Chicago, Steelers, and Saints, I guess, would be the other three teams that could potentially get in on that. Denver and, and Washington, fantasy-wise, those would be pretty nice landing spots. I mean, this year, obviously, I figure Fitzpatrick's going to start there, and there would be some sort of quarterback competition in Denver with Drew Locke, but yeah. everything the Broncos have done makes it seem like they do not want Drew Locke to be their starter. Oh, yeah, I, I totally agree, and I think you're absolutely right. Like This would be an exciting spot for either of these quarterbacks to land. I'm almost like rooting for it at this point that Fields lands with either New England, Washington, or uh, Denver, just based on the fantasy implications. Like Denver has the very good skill position players. Washington is one of those teams that just needs a quarterback to unlock some of these guys that they have, very talented skill position players, explosive skill position players. And New England, I just think it would be a good landing spot for either of those guys in a, in a um, you know, with Josh McDaniels, who's always seemed to cater his offenses to his quarterbacks and things like that. And so, yeah, I would love it if if that if either any of those three kind of happens. All right. Well, I mentioned it off the top, but your draft guide is excellent. There's tons of breakdowns in there. One thing I have to ask you about, though, is some of the comps that you threw in. Because you give the NFL comps, you give the players, but the odd time you throw in something that's like a little more offbeat, right? And we can give yeah. people an example. I mean, Kadarius Tony, you comped him to Percy Harvin, but also to Nightcrawler from the X-Men, which I love. <laughs> yeah. And Kyle Pitts, you compared him to Darren Waller, which makes a lot of sense. And also 
Olympic superhero Michael Phelps, right? Which yep, is yep. another great one. It just seems so right. That was <laughs> when I saw that one, I was like, wow, how did he think of that? That's fantastic. But <laughs> I want to know like what led you to coming up with the idea to do that and to coming up with some of those comps. Cause it's yeah. a great way to explain what some of those guys bring to the table, right? Yeah. So I think comps are just number one. People love comps, but they also get pissed at player comps because you're like most of the time I feel like you want to, you want to compare a guy to like his ceiling, what he could turn into, not just some random, you know, like league average guy. That's going to like, yeah, you that's don't see a lot so of like boring. Peyton Barber comps. Or <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know. Like, even if the guy, like, even if he's more likely, the player is more likely to just end up being a sort of a replacement level player. I at least like to say, here's what he could be potentially, or like stylistically who he reminds me of um, for the, and then I like to just drop in a few fun ones just because, you know, honestly, stud- like doing tape study and, and putting together reports, it can get a little tedious and, and slow going at times. You just watch a lot of tape. It takes a long time. Um, you know, it, it's one of those tedious things that it's fun, but it's also like it just takes up a lot of time. So I like to throw in a few fun ones for Tony. The Nightcrawler one came to mind just because he goes he'll, he'll like run into a crowd of three guys and all of a sudden comes out. And I'm like, how the hell did he get out of that? <laughs> You know what I mean? He, he yeah. how, how the hell did he escape that? It's like a guy tries to hug him and all of a sudden he just disappears and then he he's five yards downfield the next like the next second you look up. So um, that was where I thought of that for Pitts being Phelps. I thought of this one because Pitts, I believe I saw him have it's like a 83 and three eighths uh, inch wingspan, which is what what I saw was like the longest ever recorded, like the widest wingspan ever recorded yeah. for a tight end. It's like it's like offensive tackle wingspan and. Um, that made me think of Phelps, who is, you know, obviously incredible worker, incredible determination, but he was also physically born to be an elite swimmer because he has like a really long torso, really long arms, huge hands, huge feet, short legs. Um, you know, basically just, he was born to be a swimmer and Kyle Pitts, I think was born to be a pass catcher. Um, he has big hands, big, big wingspan, athletic. He ran like a four, four, four. Um, so anyways, that was kind of like why I went that direction just for fun. And then I think my other favorite one is, uh, Henry Roan Gartner for, for, uh, Zach Wilson, who is if for people that aren't familiar rookie of the year, the movie from like 94, where a, I don't know how old he was, 13 year old kid or something <laughs> breaks his arm. And then all of a sudden he can throw like a hundred, hundred mile an hour gas and is just like, for whatever reason that, that reminded me of, uh, Wilson. Cause he looks like he's about 15 years old, but he has this incredible elastic, arm that he can throw off of platform and um do all this exciting stuff so that was that was where i came up with that one uh, we mentioned pitts let's stick with him for a second because some people they've projected him even to go as high as fourth overall which is yeah unparalleled territory for a tight end right he might be that good though like he is just anybody i would say he might be the yeah. best non-quarterback in the draft and that sounds like hyperbole and if you think i'm exaggerating just go do some research go watch the guy play yeah. he's phenomenal I want to know that how high do you think he's actually going to go? Like how high should he go as a tight end? Cause we've seen some tight ends go high and not really right. provide, especially it's a position where sometimes it takes a couple years, yep. but this is a guy that could come in and make an impact right away. Is there like a spot that you think is too high for him to go in this draft? Uh, not really. I mean, I think I've got him going number four. I'm going to have him go number four to the Falcons in my next draft. I think the Falcons are going to have a hard time passing up on him. I, you know, they're, they're another team kind of like the, um, like the lions who could either stick their pick. Um, they might take a quarterback or they could end up trading back. It's like really hard to get a read on what these teams are going to do. Um, 
And I think personally, just, you know, the Arthur Smith offense, which is, uh, utilizes tight ends. It has a lot of two tight end sets. Um, you already have Julio, you already have Calvin Ridley getting pits in that offense would be so much fun and so dangerous. And, um, I'm just kind of can like trying to put myself in the Falcons mindset where they're like, all right, this is our first pick. This is a new regime. First pick. Who is the best player with the highest ceiling and the highest floor that we could pick? And I think that's Pitts. And so um, you're, you, you know, you're getting a guy who's going to be like a 10 year contributor and he has like elite all pro potential. Um, we got to get it out of him obviously, but he has that talent he has the physical capability to do that. Um, so I don't know. That's just kind of where I'm going. I, I don't think that you can really pick him too high because he's, he's a unique player. He's not really just a tight end. I think he's also, um, you know, he's, he's more or less a hybrid receiver. He's just a pass catcher. And I think, you know, we've seen receivers go in the top five. We've seen it, um, pay off for some teams, not for other teams, not so much, but I think he, he's one of those guys that has a high floor and a high ceiling. Um, so to me, it's not, it wouldn't be crazy to see him go at four or five or even six, like all three of those spots look like I, it would not surprise me whatsoever if he went that high. Well, in the way you have your draft guide broken down, you have pass catchers as one category. So you have receivers and yeah. tight ends all ranked together. And because of that, Pitts comes in at number two behind only Jamar Chase. Now I agree with you. Chase looks like a future star. I absolutely love him. The only thing I've struggled with when it comes to him or some of the other players who either opted out last year or had shorter campaigns because of the pandemic, it's whether that's going to impact them as prospects at all. Because for the analysis we do on these guys, we do so much, but there's a lot of variables that we don't have access to, right? Like the kind of training regiment they were on or, you know, what's a year away from football? What's that going to do to affect them? Or, you know, and that's on top of all the other things that we don't know like on a regular year, their personalities, their confidence levels, the kind of support that they're going to get from their new teammates and coaches on an NFL roster, right? Like there's a lot of yeah, stuff that we yeah. don't know when we're trying to project these players. And I feel like every year I bring this up because everyone's so passionate. You know, they, they do the film, they do the breakdowns, and they're so passionate about what they think about these guys. And it's great to know all that stuff. We want to have all that information about their traits so that we can apply that. But there's so much other stuff that goes into it. And now this year that just adds one more did that impact how you were scouting these guys at all with that year off the guys who missed some time? Um, a little bit. I, I really don't know. There's no good answer for how to do that. Honestly, I don't think is, is unless you know these guys and are, are familiar with what they've been doing in the last year, it's hard to see from the, from the outside looking in. Um, but to me, I, I didn't really try and treat it a whole lot different. I've basically just look at Chase's 2019 tape and, um, go from that. I mean, obviously he, he, showed out at his pro day ran like in the four three i think he was like four three nine or something like that um you know really good vert really explosive he's obviously been working i think the big red flag would be if a guy was a lot slower than you thought he'd be at, yep. a, at a pro day after yep. taking a year off um but a lot of these guys penny sewell um chase they're they they all had really strong pro days so it tells me like these guys have not stopped working out you know and, and they're it's I guess the idea that they could maybe have like some rust or something like that when they get back on the field, I think that's legit, but I don't know how you scout for that. <laughs> maybe like maybe downgrade them a teeny tiny bit or something. But like I mean, that, we but... could even look back to last year where I think we thought with the way that the off season went and no preseason totally. that all the rookies were going to yeah. come in and be a little rustier and they came in and some of those rookies had the best rookie seasons we've ever seen. Right. For like... sure. Yeah. So that, like I really, there's no good answer. I don't have a good answer for you, but I, I, I just really didn't think about it that much. I didn't consider it a huge downgrade. 
Um, because I knew like for the most part, these guys are just working their asses off. You know, the fact they're not playing games is a factor, but I don't know how to integrate that into a scouting report. Honestly, this is such unprecedented times. I'm not really sure what to do with it. Yeah. There's no real historical comp for that one. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, We agree on, on chase as the top receiver. Running back's a little trickier. I mean, it really comes down to three guys. You have Travis yeah. Etienne and Najee Harris and Javante Williams. We've talked about all three of them on the show before. I want to know, though, who's your top running back in that group and where you may be hoping to see them playing come week one, maybe the, the spot yeah. that you'd really like to see them end up. So this is a little bit of a cop-out because I have Harris at 20 and Etienne at 21. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> I got them obviously pretty close. And then I have Javante Williams at 33. I really like all three of those guys. I think that's the clear tier, um, top tier of the running back class. And then from there, it kind of gets a little bit shaky, in, in my opinion. But um, I would love to see Harris and Pittsburgh. I think that's the perfect pairing for me. And then Etienne, I think, would be a hell of a lot of fun in Arizona. Um so for Harris, he to me seems like a grinder, a three-down grinder, good in the passing game. He's almost he actually almost does remind me a little bit of Le'Veon Bell. Um and so I think that would be a, a really smart fit for them. They do need to fix their offensive line. I don't know if they're willing. They're I, I doubt they're willing to take a first round pick. Um or, or take Harris in the first round, I should say. But there's a pretty strong chance that he falls into the second round, I would say. And we saw, you know, Jonathan Taylor fall into the second round last year. So um if he falls and, and Pittsburgh ends up getting him, I think that would be a perfect fit. Uh, and then Etienne, to me, he's not much. He's not as much of a creator as Harris. I think Harris is very quick in the short area, powerful, um, you know, good pass catcher, all that stuff. Etienne is more of a one-cut, explosive accelerator who's going to break tackles and things with his acceleration rather than his uh, jukes and, and things like that in the short area. He, he's the type of guy who you know probably he can't make guys miss in the backfield as much as uh harris but you know just his explosiveness home run hitting speed is going to be really really dangerous and um he can be featured in the passing game too so i i really like him like i said um arizona seems like a fun fit because they spread things out and, and give their running backs light boxes to work with um I'm trying to look at the other teams that might make a lot of sense. Like the Jets don't have a starter right now, so they're, they're a potential good team for him. Plus, they're uh, like if they actually end up implementing sort of the Shanahan style offense, the yeah. Lafleur offense, I think that would be a pretty good fit for him. Um, and then let's see who else. I mean, in the first round, like the, the Bills, I I think still are questionable with their run game. I, I don't think any team. I'm really kind of just thinking no team is going to take a first round running back this year. I think this might be one of those years, but. Um, those are a couple of teams that definitely stick out to me. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if none of the backs go in the first round. I mean, we, it feels like we kind of started coming back around on that a little bit the last couple of years because we've seen it happen. But, I mean, last year it almost didn't happen, right? Like, it wouldn't be right. that shocking yeah. whatsoever. And I totally agree with you that the running back class seems very top-heavy this season. I think that's kind of yeah. how we felt last year. Normally, like, when I'm doing my dynasty drafts, I look at the next year to try to figure out, like, okay, what am I going to be able to get next season? And I think we kind of knew... Yeah from a ways out that this was going to be top heavy and it kind of turned out that way. And I normally, I mean, we're all trying to do it, find like that sleeper back who could be a little bit deeper, the guy that you can get, you know, maybe the third round of your dynasty rookie draft. And, you know, I just, I couldn't find that guy this year. I couldn't do it. Now, no receiver, one I'm confident. No one I'm super confident about. Yeah. Right. I like would, I kept yeah. looking and looking and going, I just, there's not a guy that I want to, you know, hang my hat on. Receiver's a different story though. There's plenty of receivers oh, to yeah. choose from. So let's go outside of those top guys in the class. If we dive a little deeper, 
who's your your favorite wide receiver prospect a little further down maybe a sleeper who you don't think's getting enough love so okay let me start out by saying i love elijah moore i don't think he probably fits the sleeper category anymore i think a, a couple of weeks ago or maybe a month ago he may have been more of a sleeper but now he's getting a little bit of first round buzz um but he's been a guy who i've had uh, on my radar for a few months now as he reminded me when I was watching him of Antonio Brown, like the way he moves, the, the short area quickness, the ball skills, when, like when the ball is in the area, he fights for it. He's got very, very reliable hands. So I'd say Elijah Moore, and I, sorry if it doesn't really fit the sleeper mold. but No, he, I mean, and that, listeners would be kind of familiar with him because I'm pretty sure yeah. we had Ray Garvin on a few months ago, I think in, in January, yeah. and he was talking him up a little bit, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then past that, let's see here. So a couple guys come to mind. Like if we're talking really deep sleepers, I think Josh Palmer and Cornell Powell are two big physical, uh, former like decently highly recruited guys. So Josh Palmer from Tennessee, um, he stood out to me really, really strong hands, really physical. You know, neither of these guys are going to create a ton of separation, but they're they're both like a like on the bigger spectrum. Cornell Powell looks like AJ Brown, like yeah. He is he is built like a weightlifter. Um, so if you're looking for like a power, you know, possession receiver type guy, like very physical, going to get yards after the catch, go the guys like that. It's not going to fit in every offense, but if you get an offense like Tennessee, for instance, where you're giving a guy a, a chance to run after the catch, I think both of those guys are really interesting. Um, I'm taking like those kind of guys late, late, like they're right now probably fourth round in, in rookie drafts or like late, late 23rd, 24th round or whatever in, in start, dynasty startups. So um, I feel like Powell's agents doing him a disservice because he needs to be putting out those pictures like uh, DK Metcalf and AJ Brown had, right? Like know, the, right? the shirtless yeah, like, flexing shots. Maybe that'll get, get a little, the draft stock up a little more. Get a little more mileage out of it. He legitimately <laughs> looks like AJ Brown. I don't think he's not the same player clearly, but um yeah very impressive player um let's see another guy that i really like that i think there's the the like people are all over the place with this guy but diami brown from north carolina who was a little bit of a one-trick pony in in their offense where he was lined up on the same side of the field for the most part and then running a lot of vertical routes but he was very effective doing it and i think he's got more he he has more versatility in him to run like like over routes um, slants, you know, sluggos, just a, a, a wider variety of routes than he really ran at North Carolina. I think he's definitely capable of doing that. Um, so he's, he's another guy that's like probably going to be a second, third round pick, but has explosive speed back to back thousand yard season. So very productive. And I believe he's an early declare. So that's always good. Um, you know, from an analytical profile type of type of deal. So he's another guy that I really like. All right, we're almost done here. Let's cap things off. You spend all this time researching, writing, you're talking about prospects nonstop. And even still, I mean, we know there's going to be some wild things that go down during those three days of the draft, <laughs> right? So yeah. give me one bold prediction for the draft, something nobody sees coming. Oh, my God. Well, okay, let me give you one that's not going to happen, but would completely blow up the entire draft. I'll take and that. that. Be- let's Let's go with that. Kyle Pitts to the 49ers instead of a quarterback. <laughs> if <laughs> they don't go quarterback like, oh. in that spot, that'll be fantastic <laughs> to watch go down on Twitter. Yeah, so that one to me, I think, is um, this is more like a galaxy brain type of thing. It's not going to happen, but it would be really fun to see. And then, um, man, another bold take. Let's see. What could we do here? Here's one. This is I don't know how bold this is, but I think another guy that I think is very – 
controversial all over the place is Tutu Atwell from Louisville. So I've seen him mocked. I, Daniel Jeremiah, who bases his mocks basically off what he's hearing from teams. He came Atwell started out on his top 30. I think he was like 30th or something like that. He was in a first round mock. And this was like a few months ago at the beginning of the draft um, cycle or whatever. He's he's subsequently fallen down uh, DJ's board. But I also saw him at 33 overall on a McShay mock draft like last week. And this was after his pro day. So this was after Tutu Atwell's pro day where he ran like a 4-4-2 or something. And it was a little bit disappointing because people wanted him to be in. I mean, people wanted him to be like 4-2s. And he was he was more like a 4-4 guy. But um so Tutu Atwell, I think, is is going to be a very interesting one. I, I think he could sneak up into the second round. Like, that is like a bold that, – that would be my bold take is, like, seeing Tutu Atwell go far earlier than people think he's going to go. Because I know a lot of people think he's 155 pounds. He's going to go in the fifth round. Well, but, if we're looking for maximum chaos on Twitter, too, let's see, you know, after the Packers wait so long to get somebody for Aaron Rodgers, they finally get the guy that ends up being Atwell, who's somebody who that would be people have fun. You know, pretty different opinions on, like you said. He reminds me of like a Ducati. He's just fast. He's tiny. He's not like a power player, but he has incredible acceleration, just a lot of juice. He reminds me a lot of Marquise Brown. And, you know, you could we could debate whether Marquise Brown has been a successful pick thus far. Um, I think he probably would look a lot better on a different offense. But frankly, he's probably turned people off from the really, really undersized speedster archetype. And so I think it's going to be very interesting to see where Tutu Atwell goes. But I think he has a chance of going a lot higher than people are sort of assuming he will. Well, it's a fine line, right? Because the, the like feisty speedster ends up getting comped to Tyree Kill all the time. And everyone seems to want to find the next Tyree Kill, right? Yeah. So it's always, yeah. like you said, about finding those archetypes. But that is all for today's show. Make sure that you're following Danny on Twitter, reading through the Ringers NFL Draft Guide. Is there anything else that you want to mention or steer people towards before we let you go here? Yeah, so uh, the Ringer Fantasy Football Show I do once a week, and then on the Ringer NFL Show feed, uh, Danny Heifetz and I are doing two shows a week on the draft. So uh, that's right up until the draft. So three podcasts a week, and go check those out. The Ringer Fantasy Football Show and the Ringer NFL Show. I feel bad Heifetz doesn't have Westworld to talk about on that podcast anymore. <laughs> I know. I know. Seriously. <laughs> well, thanks again, man. Like I said, I know we tried to make this happen for a little while. It was great that we were finally able to do it. We're definitely going to have to do this again. In the meantime, though, if you're looking for more of my fantasy outlooks for these prospects, you can find them over at the score. We've been dropping our top prospect posts for every position. Well, you know, we got our guys, Dan Wilkins and Mike Alessandrini. They've been on the show before. They've come up with the order. So if you're mad about the order, you can go find them on Twitter. But I gave my fantasy thoughts on each player in there. You can be on the lookout for those. Until next time, though, big thanks again to Danny. Big thanks to everybody out there for listening. And we will see you next time. Said leave on time. My baby said leave on time Leave on time with me tonight I 